we've been in a collection of talks talking about how God's house is a house of prayer. This is what the Lord called his house in the Bible. Jesus reiterates that. And last week we were talking about uh, we're, we're culture keepers of God's house. And that one of the first things we have to begin with is stillness. And I know stillness is, if you're like me, is extremely difficult. One of the reasons I brought up last week uh, that stillness is tough is that when we get still, that helps combat anxiety. I, I talked about busy, hurry, and worry. But the problem is when we get still, we have to face all of those things. The, one of the hardest things for people that are dealing with anxiety is for them to actually slow down and face the anxiety. So there's a fear to face the anxiety. And psychologists have said that what we do is we just keep spinning in this cycle that creates more anxiety because we don't want to face that. And so this problem, being still, forces us to face our pains. Being still forces us to face our pains. And one of the greatest pains that we're faced with in society right now is the pain of loneliness. The pain of loneliness. Uh, here's some fun statistics. I, I'm a bit nerdy with, with this kind of stuff. And so uh, I, I love looking at like really like what, what do we have going on in society? 77% of Americans when polled last year said that they felt lonely. 77%. Every four of you, three of you say that you feel lonely. Now, now here's some, just some fun stuff. The loneliest state uh, in the United States of America when they did this study was the state of Nevada. The least lonely state was the state of Maine. The loneliest months of the year, November to February. We're right in the middle of it. Uh, the loneliest days of the week. Can anyone guess? Saturdays and Sundays. Monday is a dangerously close third. Our Saturday through Monday, it's been hard on us. When, when studied, the loneliest Americans spend an exorbitant, increased amount of time, guess on what? Social media. The more time you spend on it, trying to satiate your loneliness, the lonelier you become, which drives you back into the loop. 59% uh, of uh, lonely Americans so out of that 77%, more than half of them, zero exercise. There, there, there's statistics and, 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 and there's studies done on, our, on moving our physical bodies. I, I have experienced this in this last year. Uh, here, here's our generations. Uh, boomers, if you're in the room, uh, if, you're, if you're listening on our online campus, 62% of you boomers uh, said you were lonely. 62%. Uh, Gen X, that's me. Uh, we're called the forgotten generation, um, and that makes us feel even lonelier. 72% um, of Gen X said they felt lonely. 80% uh, of millennials, hey, millennials in the house, 80% of you 
And you might have heard this before, but Gen Z, 90% of Gen Z says that they're experiencing extreme loneliness. Uh, mothers of young kids are reported to be among the most lonely and the isolated and feeling depressed. That's why we have moms that get together, and, and I know that our moms group is just starting back up where they get together and hang out in parks. That's why. Uh, and so here's an interesting fact. I don't take this next one personal, so please, I want you to know that uh, most women of young kids report that they attend church for friendship, not for the sermon. <laughs> Can I get an amen, moms? Okay. 2020, a survey of men between the ages of 16 and 99. That's pretty wide range, okay? In over 237 countries, found that young men in individualistic cultures, individualistic cultures are those cultures who place a high value on self-reliance with loose social networks. Uh, I just wanna tell you, America leads the charge in individualism as an individualistic culture. And what they found in 2020 was these young men in this age range were the loneliest. In fact, in 2023, they found that 67% of men between 18 and 23, this is what they said, no one even really knows me. The most connected part of society. And, they, and they're saying, no one knows me. Here's some natural human responses to the pain of loneliness. Um, now, all of these that I'm about to mention can pertain to actions toward others or towards yourself. This is what happens with loneliness. Number one, we control because of the pain. So we move into control mode. Uh, that would look like perfectionism, micromanagers. Uh, if you're a micromanager, control freak, if anyone's ever told you that, uh, I apologize. Uh, it looks like extreme rigidity. It's my way or the highway. Okay? So that's one of the ways uh, that the natural human response to this pain of loneliness is to control, to blame because, because of the pain. Uh, it's either it's my fault, I'm not good enough, I blame myself, uh, or it's their fault. <laughs> and it's a blame shift game. Uh, shame because of pain. I don't matter. I feel lonely, therefore I feel shame. I don't matter. I'm never enough. Or I eat the pain and it develops self-hatred. Or we withdraw because of pain. We avoid people. We isolate. Excessive consumption. Excessive consumption is compartmentalized into two groups, soft addictions and hard addictions. Uh, soft addictions, uh, these ones, these ones, <laughs> sugar, shopping. If the Amazon driver pulls up to your house, knows your name and has a trailer behind his truck and it's all for you, How about scrolling? Soft addiction. All the, 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 like, just so you know that the engineer's developing these devices. The device isn't bad, okay? I just, just, okay. But the engineer's developing the software and this device that interacts with you and I 
they literally have a building that's built outside of Vegas and it's a casino. And all the casinos utilize and it looks like a casino and they do psychological studies and figure out what makes you and I the most addicted. Not only are the casinos in Vegas and other places utilizing this place, but companies, especially media companies that we call social media, utilize this facility to develop a psychology to be able to get you addicted to the soft addiction of scrolling. Isn't that fascinating? How about binge watching? Some of you were like, Netflix found like one of the funniest things. They, they release a whole series, an episodic series, and it gets watched in such a dense amount of time because of binge, like we're just like, <laughs> two days later, we're like, we've watched every single episode of 20 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. Okay. Some of you are there. How about heart addictions, substances? of any kind, sexual addictions. Ultimately, the ultimate withdrawal tactic, suicide. This is where we sit in 2024, family. The question today is, how does being part of God's house of prayer, how does being part of of this church, how how does being part of this going to help you cure loneliness. Today, the name of my sermon is A Liar and a Leader. A Liar and a Leader. Uh, Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I pray right now, and I ask that any person that's sitting in this space, any person that's hearing this message, that is dealing with any of these things, that falls into any group, that we all probably in our humanity are all being touched a little bit by loneliness. God, that I ask that what you would do is that you would not only speak to our hearts, but God, you would bring healing to our hearts here this morning as we hear this. As we look into what you have to say, God, we thank you that you're a good father who has a solution for loneliness. And we we ask you, to draw near to us this morning. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said amen, amen. Can you give our worship team a huge round of applause? I'm gonna read in the book of Matthew uh, this morning, chapter six, verse nine through 13, and this is something that we might affectionately know as the Lord's Prayer. The, a, fun, a funny fact, um, like I, I would say like mainstream Christianity calls it the Lord's Prayer. And there are some other, uh, let's say, uh, beliefs that call it our Father's Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer because Jesus, in this case, is giving some instruction. His disciples are spending some time with him. And this is from a series of talks that Jesus is giving about God's kingdom. And it's called Sermon on the Mountain. And Jesus is asked, teach us to pray. His disciples, his followers realize that Jesus isn't praying the way that the average Jew is praying. 
They're watching the Jewish leaders pray. They're watching what's happening. But something changed. Something's different when this guy Jesus prays. When he prays. Where he prays. How he prays. His posture, it doesn't add up. So they go, would you teach us then, Jesus, how to pray? And this is Jesus' response. He says, pray then in this way. Our Father... Who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Has anyone ever heard this before? Okay. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. Oh. I'll let you off the hook, but I got my eyes on you. Verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus gives us the Our Father prayer to remind us as the inhabitants of his house of prayer. That we are, in fact, his family who prays. The number one strategy to overcome loneliness as God's house of prayer is to be a family of prayer. It's the number one strategy. Number one, prayer reminds us. A couple weeks back, I introduced in, in this same collection of talks that Jesus was giving he talks about seeking first the kingdom. And he says, but first and most importantly, seek, aim, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness. And his righteousness, it's his way of doing and being right. The attitude and the character of God and all these things will be added to you. That if I seek after first God's kingdom and his righteousness, that even that part of my heart that is, is really wanting to belong and be known will be added to me. That word righteousness, it's God's way, God's thinking, and God's motives to act. It's not my way, it's not my thinking, and it's not my motives. It's God's, God's, God's. In fact, it says in this passage that we just read in this prayer, it says, your your, your. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God's way of doing things as a priority. This your, your, your puts the kingdom of our Father in priority. Um, God's way of doing things, foundationally, institutionally, materially, God's way of doing things is through the formative function of family. From the very beginning in the book of Genesis, through the promises that he gave to Abraham, that he continued through Isaac, that then through Jacob, 
all the way through Jesus being born was given through the function of family. It wasn't given through the function of anything else. When we seek God's kingdom first in prayer, we are seeking God's family first. The priority of God's kingdom is family, so when we pray to him, it's really interesting. He most often uses family as his method of delivery. God, I'm feeling lonely. He's going to use his family, the church, as the method and the function. God, I'm, I'm, de- I'm dealing with a substance issue. I've seen so many times people that are dealing with addiction, it has nothing to do with what they're addicted to. It has to do with the pain that they're trying to control and they're trying to withdraw from. And God uses the method of his family. God is going to hear our prayers as the father of a family. So when Jesus, he starts this, when they're Jesus, how, how do we pray? And he goes, our father, just, 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 you know, like he broke the internet with this. The internet didn't exist then, so don't like, you guys are like, wait, what? Okay. But if, you know what I mean, figuratively, like he broke the internet when he said our father, Here, here's, here's why. In the Old Testament, Anytime you see the word father, it was always pertaining to God, who was a father over a nation, Israel. But it was never a father that was personal to a person, individually. And for the first time, what does Jesus do? (laughs) He goes, this is how you all should pray. Just so you know, when Jesus says our father, Jesus is not including himself in that. Here's how I know that. Jesus didn't need to be delivered from temptation, and he didn't need to be delivered from sin. He didn't need to be forgiven. This prayer is not inclusive of Jesus. This is Jesus giving you and I a prescriptive understanding of our method of freedom coming through a father who has a family. Are you with me? In fact, when Jesus says this prayer, he's kind of modeling it after a well-known Jewish prayer called the Kaddish. And, and Jews to this day, an Orthodox Jew, will not say the name God. The great name, but they won't say the name God. And here's Jesus, he steps into the situation, and he models this ancient prayer called the Kaddish, But there's a plot twist. Because in their prayer, this is what it says. Holy and honored is his great name in all the earth. They don't say his name. Jesus, he gets real personal. Hey, this is how all of you should pray. Personally. Our Father. The Creator. The Originator. The one who wove you together. The one who has known you since the beginning of time. 
the one who has numbered every hair on your head, that knows your days, that hears your heart. He knows what you were originally designed for. Culturally, to the Jews hearing this, they would have been like, whoa, that dude just got personal. And that would have been countercultural, religiously. Are you with me? So Jesus says, our Father. This term, our Father, Jesus made prayer personal. Why? To remind us all that we are members of a larger tapestry of God's family. Too often, as the statistic says, in highly individualistic cultures, we're dying of loneliness. Specifically, men, can I tell you, you're not alone. That's why the first Monday of the month we get together as men here. Why? Because men are statistically the loneliest gender alive right now on the globe. Crazy. And you're not alone. We're actually woven into this tapestry of family as a piece that we, like, we're, we're, a, we're a piece of a puzzle to something much greater. And man, you have something to offer. Like you matter. This is what, this is what Jesus is saying. We have to fight the solo slip. You know, we slip into like, kind of like soloed, isolated thinking and living. You know, I got it. Life has told me as a man that you better perform because you got to prove that you have what it takes. Men, every one of us, we get up in the morning and we do a cup check to see if we have what it takes. Let's just be real. Men in the house that, that understand what I'm saying, can I get at least, like, I'll get a man nod from you. Yep. All the women are like, ah, he just, ah. Comments are going crazy on the, okay, cool. Listen, if we don't, listen, we have to have these conversations in church. What's the alternative? Just to let people die? Jesus, when he says our Father, he's saying you matter and you're a member of a larger tapestry of something greater, of a family. In Ephesians 3.14, he says, For this reason, grasping the greatness of this plan by which the Jews and the Gentiles were joined together in Christ, I bow my knees in reverence before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from where every... Turn to somebody and say family. Turn to somebody and say every family. Where every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. God, the first and ultimate father. This is, this is what Jesus was saying. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That he's modeling after this Jewish prayer. This is what he's saying. Our father whose name is set apart and protected from all other fathers. Because he is the first and the ultimate father of humanity. As his family. We all have daddy issues. God is the father, though, ain't your daddy. Right? Like, 
My, I lost my father when he was 47 years old. I was 18. God the Father, when I feel abandoned at 18, he is not a father that abandons. Are you catching how wounds help you stay stuck? Okay. This word family that I just read, uh, this word family um, comes from the word patria in Greek. Uh, it's derived from the word pater, <laughs> which is the word that we get the word father, patriarch. This Ephesians, what I just read, is it said that every name on heaven and earth is going to derive its name from God, the Father. This is what it's telling you and I. Even by the Greek definition, every family has a father who gives identity, positive or negative. This is what I have to tell you. I was sitting with my four-year-old, my, our third daughter, third oldest daughter out of seven, just got married on Friday. And, hey, thank you. Appreciate that. It did, I didn't have to do anything. Um, I just had to cry a lot. My four-year-old's sitting with me last night, and she misses her older sister. So I have a 20-year-old who just got married. I have a four-year-old, okay? And my four-year-old's crying. She's weeping because her sister has now moved out. She's, she's, I go, does your heart hurt? She goes, yeah, my heart hurts. She's crying. She goes to bed crying. She wakes up Saturday morning crying. She gets into this conversation with me last night, and I'm like, hey, buddy. She's like, Dad, what's your full name? And I said, well, what do you think my name is? She goes, Dad. No, what's my name? She goes, Pat. I go, what's my full first name? She goes, Pat Dad. <laughs> so I said, Patrick. And I said, you know, your name is Nohea Lani, but we call you Nohea. So Pat is short for Patrick. I go, what's my middle name? She goes, Daddy. We work through this whole equation to I get to, what's my last name? And I, I said to her, I go, what's your last name? And she goes, She tells me your whole Hawaiian name. And I said, honey, your last name is the same as mine. I go, what's my last name? And she goes, I, I, I don't know. I said, my last name is Lynch. So that means your last name is Lynch. She goes, oh, I said, because fathers give identity to children. This is important. Because there is an identity that God, as a father, has given you. That sometimes our fathers in the natural, who have given you identity, sometimes that identity can be skewed. It can be broken. There can be wounds attached to it. But God is the first and ultimate father of a family. So you're a son or a daughter to God, the first and the ultimate father, but more largely, you're part of his family. This is the idea, that you're an individual who's part of the larger tapestry. You're an individual, you are your own person, part of something larger. And as the family of God's house, prayer reminds us and reinforces us with who we are, that you belong to a family and that you're known. These are the two things that humanity desperately longs for. So 
when we say our Father who art in heaven, our Father, it reminds us that you belong to a family and that you're known. Um, loneliness, just so you know, loneliness, you're sitting in a room with people. Lonely, it, it's, it's less of a vicinity to people problem, and it's actually, uh, it's a sense that you're not being heard. In fact, when you talk to people, they can be in a relationship, and, and if you've ever been in this conversation, you're like, I live with you, and you're like, I just don't feel like you know me. Why? Because I, I talk to you, and I don't feel like I'm heard. This is how we can be in a very crowded society but still feel lonely. Why? Because we don't feel heard. Social media is this false sense of being heard. Gives us this idea that uh, if we type on a keyboard that someone's actually hearing my heart. and In fact, we're maybe only being heard for the false self that we want to present. Or maybe what we're starting to do is boil over a little bit because prolonged period of not being heard ultimately will show itself in anger or even rage. Which is where we sit in society, by the way. Just angry. It's frustration. It's prolonged time of not being heard and known and feeling like you belong. God knows that you need to be heard by him, but he also knows that you need to be heard by others. So when we say this prayer of our Father, this means that our Father, God, you hear me, but when I pray this in the context of family, you hear me now. Something powerful happens. If I were to say to somebody in this room right now, um, is anyone in deep need of something they need prayer for? Noah? Are you willing to share publicly? No. He's like, no. Anyone else in need of prayer? Anyone willing to share publicly what you need prayer for? Your daughter? How old is she? 18. Do you mind sharing what you need prayer for? Say that again. Her back in your life because you're her father. Do me a favor. Can everyone just stop? Can they bow their heads? Extend their hand. What's your first name? Thomas. Can you put your hand on Henry? Everyone extend their hand. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus as a family that you have heard Thomas say before you, his father, that he longs for his daughter to be reconnected with him as a father. God, that whatever the road looked like in the past, you were making straight pathways from here forward. God, that you're a God of restoration and reconciliation and whatever needs to happen, God, you're gonna bring into order those things. That he is just not petitioning you as an individual, but together as a family, we're petitioning you because he is heard. He's not only heard by you, but we hear him. We long to see him in a relationship with his daughter that's restored. God, speak to her, bless her. Wherever she's at, draw near to her right now in your physical presence. We thank you in the name of Jesus. An entire family says amen and amen.
this is how we're supposed to function. And too often, it's the methodology and the theories and the theology from a pastor who's telling you what needs to happen, but we miss the practice of it. And so I long to practice these things. A house of prayer, a family who can come as our father, who that we can stop and it's okay and say, what is it that your heart is broken over? What is it that you need before God as a father? How then as a family, we offer it to the first and ultimate father. Our father reminds us we belong and that we're known. Where are you first seeking to be heard? And by who? Loneliness is the symptom of a dying culture needing revival. But also it's a sign that we were made for family. Number two, and lastly, prayer revives us. It reminds us, but it revives us. Uh, Society is seeking a solution to revive culture, a culture that is dying to the lie of loneliness. Everything from universal spirituality to what we now say we're in is a sexual revolution is the deep search from the human heart that they're looking for the solution to loneliness. Uh, Number one, we are lonelier than ever, which is why we seem angrier than ever as a society. Last week, I had you write down one thing on a piece of paper that you were just giving over to the Lord. You're surrendering to him. Uh, Number one thing that we saw was anxiety. Number two, number two biggest thing people are dealing with, anger. It doesn't, sadly, does not surprise me. So we're lonelier than ever, which is why we seem angrier than ever as a society. And we're angry because we know we are dying of loneliness and we desperately desire a solution. In our hearts, we're like, something has to be better than this. Something has to change. And we're searching and we're going to great lengths. But in all of those searches, we find ourselves further divided. We find ourselves further divided in social silos. We are more polarized than ever as a society. Everything is binary. We can't have meaningful conversations with one another if you don't vote the right party. Can we be honest? We're all screaming to be heard from the isolation of our ivory towers. I'm right, but I'm lonely, and I'm desperate to be heard, but I'm right. You're wrong. We are living in the greatest epidemic of segregation since the civil rights. In God first and ultimate father. He is a God that is willing 
He's able. He has power enough to breathe life and revive even the things that we think are dead. We have inadvertently maybe even lost the shared experience of humanity that God created his household, a family for. We're human. And we've lost the experience of shared humanity. The old, the young. Those from the east meeting those from the west. The Arab, the Jew. The rich, the poor. The Democrat, the Republican. We have lost our ability to have a shared experience because we have lost the fact that we were made for a household, God's house, as his family. This is why church is important. By the way, through the last three years, starting in 2020, we went through three years of a pandemic, quarantine and shutdown, guess what people group suffered the least from mental strife, emotional difficulty? Those who were part of a church for a number of reasons. They read their Bible, they were with one another, and they prayed. God knows that you can't be your best self by yourself. We all wanna be our best self, but he knows you cannot be your best self by yourself. Matthew 18, 19, again, I say to you that if two believers on earth agree that it is are of one mind in harmony about anything that they ask, anything that they pray for, within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. This is Jesus speaking. For where two or three are gathered in my name, meeting together as my followers, I am there among them. God's presence is here. He promises this. And when we come to him in prayer, we come to him asking anything according to his righteousness, his way, his prioritization, that he's willing as a father to respond because he's a good dad. Family members of God's house are, are unified by prayer. And, and, and this unified to one another, to seeing God's best for one another and all others. We see this happen in Acts 2.42 to 47. What happens before, Acts 2.42 to 47 is this beautiful part of when the Holy Spirit shows up on the scene. And everyone likes to quote Acts 2.42 to 47 because that's when all of the believers, it says, they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles, the fellowship, the eating of meals together, and to prayers and everyone's like we just need a church like that but but let me back up a second in the beginning of acts chapter 2 what were the 120 doing in a house waiting for the holy spirit praying are we are you okay are you catching this we want the fruit of family but we're not willing to get in a house and pray as family so that the power of God and the Holy Spirit can show up who then delivers fruit of the Spirit, delivers the fruits of the family. I want the fruit of the family. I just don't want the form of family. 
Day after day in verse 46, it says, They met in the temple area, continuing with one mind, breaking a bread in various private homes. They were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts, praising God continually and having favor with all the people because they heard Thomas's prayer. And when someone's like, man, I, I, I just ran into a hard time and, 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 and I lost my husband or I lost my wife and I'm trying to feed my kids. The other people hear it and everyone just goes, hey, we got you. Verse 47, praising God, continually having favor with all the people and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Revival. When we prayed together as a family, we're aware of how connected we are. Uh, that we all have wounds. This is, let's just admit this. We all have wounds that we need a father who can heal us. And we need one another. Our father brings us here together. Loneliness is by and large a negative with one exception. Uh, loneliness pushes us to be known. Loneliness is a liar on all accounts. But the one thing that it's positive about, that God built the feeling of loneliness into you and into you and into you and into you and into me. God built loneliness into you to drive you back to family. Uh, Chip Dodd writes in this book that I love called The Voice of the Heart. This is what he said. God gave us loneliness so that we, seek, we would seek out relationship. Loneliness is a feeling that speaks to our deep hunger to belong and to be known. He then goes on to say, because of loneliness, we inescapably desire relationship with ourselves, with others, and with God. Loneliness also points to how often we distance ourselves from all three of these vital forms of relationship. Man, I really need that. You're disconnected because you're disconnected. You're lonely because, ah, I'm on an island. You're lonely maybe because you're alone. And the feeling is what gets you to the place where you're willing to swim the channel, to run the desert, to climb through glass, to get back to relationship. Prayer revives us by helping us fulfill our need for us to belong and our need to be known by one another. Robert, I'm going to have you come up. Why don't you stand with us this morning? You guys getting anything out of this? So this, our Father that Jesus gives us, our Father, who are him, our Father, this, just this term, our Father, is rooting us in the remembrance of a family being revived. Our Father. Jesus is drawing us to a place of remembrance of a family who's being revived when we pray with one another. It's the number one strategy to overcome loneliness. This is why on Tuesday night we will be here and why we do, do something now called Jesus Nights. Why? Because we want to come into a space 
with one another. We're going to pray over those pieces of paper, and we're going to pray over certain things that we feel like God is speaking to us about, and we are going to go after the things that the enemy wants us to believe are permanent and have no solution and have no way of being healed, and we're going to go after those things. We, we, we want to go after Jesus, and we want to see Jesus' culture change everything. Let's just close our eyes. If you, if you can, if you're willing to, just close your eyes. And just pray our Father. It's reorienting us to who we are as sons and daughters, to him as a first and ultimate father. But it doesn't stop there. It's reorienting us to who we are to one another as, as kids of his family. Loneliness is lying to us. But it's also leading us back to where we were created to thrive. I would ask you this morning to look at maybe where you feel lonely. And for a second, just... second, would you accept that maybe that loneliness is what's driving you and bringing you back home? Where are you first seeking the solution to revive your life from the lie of loneliness? number one strategy to overcome loneliness is to be a family of prayer as God's house of prayer. And in this place, I'm confident that God as a father is going to draw you back home. If you're feeling lonely in any form or fashion this morning, if you have been feeling this way, this is one of the hardest things we're going to talk about next week, um, how relational wounds leave us in conflict. And we're going to talk about the number one practice of prayer to overcome that. One of them is fear of being vulnerable. When I ask this question, there's going to be a, a natural fear maybe in you to be vulnerable. But if you're dealing with this morning, if you've sensed and you've struggled with loneliness, if you're one of the people that, to be honest with you, a majority of us, fall into this category. Would you raise your hand this morning? You're dealing with loneliness. For the rest of you, because I know the percentage is 77%. So the rest of you, God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you administer to us in this room, in this place. That you've given us the instruction of our Father. Not just to remind us, but to draw us back home. If you're in this place, if, if you've felt isolated and alone, this morning is the morning for you to come home. I'm going to ask if, if you 
if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, because he is the one. He is, he is the bridge to that prayer, our Father. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want to come home to be known, to be heard, to belong, raise your hand so I can, I can see you. I want to pray for you this morning. Amen. 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 Father, I just pray right now, those of you who have acknowledged this, those of you who have said yes to this, those of you who have gently lifted your hand, where life has beat you down, life has maybe left you wounded, that this morning would be a reminder to you that you belong, that you're part of a larger tapestry of family, that there's a place that you're able to be heard, that there is a father who hears you, but there's also brothers and sisters who are in the household of, of God's house of prayer, who can hear you and are with you and come alongside you and we're in this together, that we're not actually in this alone. Whatever you're dealing with right now, just lay it down. Father, we just lay these things down. Remind us, revive us. Thank you for calling us home. If you need prayer this morning, I don't want you to leave this place without it. After this message, this, is just, this should be like self-explanatory. If you need prayer this morning, come forward to our minister team who's been praying all week, has been praying all morning. They've been in this service praying while we're actually in here together. And they would love to pray with you. Why? Because you can be heard and you can be known and you belong to a family. If you said yes to Jesus this morning, let someone know. If you're new here this morning, we want you to know that you belong and that you're loved and you're part of a family. As you walk out the door just to your left, there's a couple tables for you to connect at just to say, hey, I'm new. I, I, I want to be known. For the rest of us, Lord, let us today be reminded and revived. We look forward to seeing one another on Tuesday night as we gather here to pray and to worship as a family where we're seen, where we're heard. We thank you. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said amen and amen.